0: is the Homestead Journey podcast, the podcast dedicated to the pursuit of self-sufficiency, self-reliance, and sustainability. This is episode number 90 of the Homestead Journey podcast. Welcome, 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 everyone. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join me here on the Homestead Journey My name is Brian Wells. I am coming to you from 3B Farm and Homestead here in beautiful and soggy upstate New York. Folks, we have just had a lot of rain over the last, I don't know, a couple of weeks, and it's just damp. Now today, nice day, a little bit on the humid side, but fairly cool as compared to what we were having. But this weather certainly has impacted my ability to get some outside projects done. So without further ado, let me jump right into this week's Homestead Happenings, and I will bring you up to date with what we've been up to here on 3B Farm and Homestead. So let me start out with some very, very sad and depressing news. Yesterday was my mom's side, uh, her family reunion, and I always look forward to it every year. Last year, we started what I think will become a little bit of an annual tradition where I took some strawberry jam, my mom and dad took some strawberry jam, and they had a taste test Honestly, I don't remember who won. I think mom and dad may have come out slightly ahead. I don't really remember. But this year, my cousin Bernice got in on the action. And so, yesterday, we had a taste test. And I have some very, very sad news to report. And that is that somehow I was born into a family with very deficient and broken taste buds because my jam did not garner a single vote folks my award-winning blue ribbon award-winning jam did not garner a single vote i am sad to report that my mom's side that family's taste buds are broken <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Uh, my cousin Bernice uh, came out was it was neck and neck between my mom and dad and my cousin Bernice and so it is what it is. I'm gonna have to up my game and uh, we'll see what happens. Actually that's part of my plan for this coming week. This past week, my wife went and picked uh, strawberries. If you follow us on Instagram and Facebook, you would have seen that we've been hauling strawberries this past week. and so tomorrow, my plan is to make some strawberry jam as well as some strawberry rhubarb jam. And then, if you also follow us on Facebook and Instagram, you would have seen that we have been picking currants. Now, you may remember back in the spring, I pruned my currant bushes for the first time ever. And, folks, has that paid off in spades? My currant bushes have given currants this year like they have never given. Uh, branches just bent right over, sagging to the ground. And so tomorrow, um, because I have tomorrow off, today's the 4th of July. So tomorrow at work, they've given us the the 5th of July as our 4th of July holiday. And so tomorrow I will be making jams and jellies, my favorite thing to can. Very excited to do it. And Bernice, I'm coming from you. Just hopefully between now and next year's family reunion, my family can get their taste buds fixed again. (laughs) Uh, Let's see what else has been going on this week. A lot of uh, harvesting from the garden. The garden is really starting to come on. So we've been harvesting peas and enjoying those. Um, It's been a while since I actually did English peas um, in the quantity that I did this year. I didn't realize that my son liked them. And so I had kind of gotten away from planting them simply because they are a bit of a pain in the butt to shuck. It's a lot of work for what you get out of it, in my opinion. So I would much rather do sugar snap peas where you eat the the pot and everything, um, snow peas, whatever you want to call them, than I would to do the English peas. But my son last year was very disappointed in the amount of the English peas that I had planted. And so this year I planted quite a number more. And so they've been coming on this week. And so it, it's kind of funny, you, you start getting into a task that you don't necessarily enjoy. I really don't enjoy shucking peas, but it did really take me back to summer evenings spent on the porch with my grandfather, chit-chatting as we shucked peas together. And so, you know, it was one of those things that I, I guess I enjoyed the task a little bit more than I, I have in the past, simply because... I connected it to memories with my grandfather, but uh, we've also been enjoying spinach. My wife makes this amazing. uh, It's a pasta salad with spinach and pesto and Parmesan cheese that is just absolutely out of this world. So she's been making that. We actually took the family reunion yesterday. I went back for, I think, seconds, maybe even thirds because I really, really love that salad. And uh, so maybe I'll try to get the recipe from her and post that up on our social media accounts in case anybody is interested in that. But uh, the spinach is coming on; It's actually starting to bolt a little bit. So we do need to get out there, get ahead of that. Maybe we will dehydrate some of the spinach. We'll see. But uh, the garden is really starting to come into its own. Uh, one of the other things that I did this week in between raindrops is I started putting up the wooden snow fence lined with chicken wire around the edge of the garden. So head on over to uh, Facebook or Instagram, or if you're not on either one of those platforms, those pictures are also available over on our website, thehomesteadjourney.net, and you can see how that fence project is coming along. The reason why I chose to use that fence is because the ground around our garden is very, very uneven. And my thought was that that snow fence would follow the contours a little bit better than any other type of fencing would without me having to kind of get in there and dig and trench and all of that kind of stuff. And it certainly has done that. Now, honestly, I don't know what the longevity will be, but I'm very happy with how it looks. It's kind of got a nice rustic look to it. And I just hope that it does what it's supposed to do and keeps the deer and the darn rabbits out. One last thing before we head on over to this week's charting the course, and that is that this week I ran into a bit of a feed issue. And that is that uh, I knew it was getting down low on hog feed, um, but with all the rain that we've been having, I just haven't been able to make a feed run. And so I believe it was on Thursday, I used up the last bag of hog feed that I had. And the farm that I go to get the feed at, it's about, I don't know, it's seven to 10 miles one way. So it's about an 18 to 20 mile round trip uh, to to go get feed, which isn't all that bad, but it's certainly not something that I want to do just to go get one bag of feed. But with all of the rain, I certainly couldn't load up the back of the truck like I normally do because the feed would get wet and that certainly isn't a good thing. And so I was kind of waiting and waiting, looking for a dry day all week long, and it just didn't happen. And so I used the last bag of feed on Thursday. I was hoping that maybe I could um, run over to Tractor Supply and buy a bag of feed just to kind of tide me over until I walked into Tractor Supply and I saw how much feed costs right now. I have not bought hog feed at Tractor Supply since I don't know when. My wife has bought off and on. If we've run out of layer, she'll grab a bag of layer uh, feed over there. But I I have not bought hog feed at Tractor Supply or a local farm store in years. So I, I ran into Tractor Supply and I was blown away by the price of feed at Tractor Supply. Now, my buddy Jack uh, Polner from the Mindful Homestead actually did a video this week about the effect that the pandemic has had on small farms, and he did touch on the price of hog feed, and what he mentioned was the price of hog feed. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's got to be over in his area. That cannot be in our area. Well, folks, it was exactly the same here as what it is in his area. It was almost $19 a bag for hog feed. Um, And by the way, I will link to his video in the show notes if you want to check it out. It was a great video. Um, If you're not following the Mindful Homestead, you should. Uh, He does. uh, He puts out great, great videos. And so I highly recommend Jack and Don um, over at uh, Little Mountain Life. Um, My two buddies, we chat almost every day. But uh, anyhow, I digress here. The fact is, folks, when I saw the price of Hog Feed, I was like, I am spending i think 1150 through my local feed mill and at that point i was like you know what even if i go over and only buy one bag of feed i'm still coming out ahead i'm saving myself what 7 dollars a bag or whatever it is it's insane so we actually went over we do have uh jump seats in the back of the ranger and when i say jump seats um Unless you are very very limber or under the age of twelve, you just don't fit back there very well. <laughs> but I was able to stack six bags of feed um, behind the driver's seat and then six bags of feed behind the passenger seat. And so I figured that by making that feed run, if I had bought the equivalent at Tractor Supply, I saved myself almost a hundred dollars by making that feed run. Even though I know. This week, I'm going to have to make another feed run because that certainly isn't going to get me much beyond this week. It's crazy out there, folks. And that's why I always tell you there is a real cost to raising real food. And if you are going to sell chicken or you're going to sell pork, make sure you factor in your feed costs. But not just feed costs, your labor costs. But folks, don't sell yourself short. The fact is, always, there's a real cost to raising real food. But right now, there's a real, real cost to raising real food. It's just crazy out there. Anyhow, that's enough about that. Let's head on over to this week's Charting the Course. This episode is actually set to be released on July 5th, which means it's the day after our Independence Day here in the United States. Now, those of you who are from the United States, which comprises the bulk of my listening audience, you know, or at least you should know what the 4th of July is all about. But for those of you who are maybe from across the pond in one direction or the other The 4th of July is simply when we celebrate, we commemorate the fact that we kicked King George's butt and sent him back across the ocean and declared independence from the crown. Now, we didn't really kick King George's butt because he was too chicken to come over here and fight us. So he sent a bunch of his guys and he hired a bunch of guys from Germany and we kicked all their butts and sent them packing. and we said, we are free. (laughs) that's a bit of an oversimplification of the whole situation. But I was thinking about perhaps the most famous words from our Declaration of Independence. Let me read those for you. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I really did start thinking about how, I think for many people in 2020, homesteading epitomized those words. I think there were a lot of people who woke up in 2020 to the fact that our food system is very, very fragile, that our political system is an absolute mess, and that when it all boils down to it, we need to take greater responsibility for our life and our liberty and our pursuit of happiness. And I think for many people, they saw in homesteading a way to live that out. As I was thinking about this, I I began to think about how there are many parallels, and perhaps this is a bit of a stretch, but I don't think so. There are many parallels between the early settlers of the United States And people who got into homesteading during the pandemic in 2020. There are a lot of people who left their familiar areas and relocated, in some cases, long distances away from their family and their friends and the things that they knew. And they moved to a land that was unfamiliar to them, into a group of people that they were unfamiliar with, customs that maybe they weren't very familiar with just like these settlers did back in the day here in the founding of our country. So I think that there are a lot of parallels between the two. What drove those early settlers to make that leap from a settled country uh, to a raw wilderness, so to speak, here in the New World? For some people, they were in search of religious and cultural freedom. Some people were in search of educational freedom. Some people were in search of financial freedom. And many people were in search of food security or food freedom. And that really, all of those things, I think, for many people during the pandemic played a big part in their move in the direction of homesteading. Now, I think for a lot of people, it was the fact that they woke up to the fact that our food system is fragile. In many cases, I think we might even say that our food system is broken. And so for a lot of people, they saw homesteading as a way to achieve food freedom, food independence, just like the colonists did many, many years ago. Some people saw homesteading, and in particular relocating to another state out of an urban or suburban area, as a means of achieving political freedom. Not to get into all of the politics of the lockdowns and so forth during uh, the pandemic, but certainly there is no way that we can argue that certain states allowed a lot more freedom than other states did. And we can debate over whether or not one state had a right approach or another state had a wrong approach. But at the end of the day, people voted with their feet. And while I think there were a lot of people already leaving the great state of New York and leaving the great state of California and leaving the great state of Illinois prior to the pandemic, I think the numbers all show that certainly all of that accelerated during the pandemic and people relocated to places like Florida and Tennessee and Texas where there were greater freedoms as it relates to lockdowns and mask mandates and all of those kinds of things. People voted with their feet because they were in search of independence. And there are a lot of people that relocated to Homestead in those areas because they saw that political independence as a huge benefit. For, for some people, there was the financial piece of it. They lost jobs. They were maybe laid off or they had their hours cut back. Businesses were closed. And so some people saw homesteading as a means to be able to either take a side hustle and turn it into uh, a main gig or to supplement their income. But certainly there are a lot of things that you can do through homesteading to supplement your income or to begin to provide for your family, whether it's through content creation, market gardens, uh, selling meat, selling just so many different things that you can do from a homestead. And there are a lot of people that during 2020 decided that they were going to take greater control of their lives through homesteading. For some people, it was an opportunity for them to achieve educational independence. And so what they saw happening was maybe a husband or a wife was laid off from work. And so they had a little bit of extra time to be able to invest in their kids. And they were not satisfied with some of the nonsense that's taking place in public schools. And so for them, homeschooling And homesteading went hand in hand, and it was an opportunity for them to achieve educational independence, educational freedom, and to be able to instill in their children their values through education. And I also think that there's a sense to where through homesteading, people saw an opportunity to find cultural independence, especially people who had been living in urban areas, suburban areas, they were able to go counterculture. And there certainly is something to be said about cultural independence as it relates to homesteading. Raising and growing your own food, although it did become much more popular in 2020, I think will always be something that is kind of countercultural. I strongly believe that there are going to be a number of people who stick with the homesteading thing. My hope is that it's a lot of people that stick with it long term. But there is going to be a lot of people who, as things go back to normal, they're going to go back to their old way of doing things. They're going to eat fast food every evening. It's going to be processed foods and so on and so forth. And again, I'm not poking fun at anybody. It is what it is. Everybody needs to make their own choices. As I've said before, I believe everybody can homestead. I don't believe that homesteading is for everyone. And so there is going to be a certain amount of people who stick with it, but I think a lot of people are going to be going back to the old way of doing things. And so I strongly believe that raising and growing your own food is something that will always be countercultural. And so there is a sense to where, Being a homesteader brings with it a certain sense of cultural independence. And I think that's a great thing. All of that to say, folks, that in my opinion, 2020 really revealed that homesteading is a great way for someone to live out the words of our Declaration of Independence. If you truly want to have a life, where you live out life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. In my opinion, it's tough to beat the homesteading lifestyle. What are your thoughts? I'd love to hear from you, Brian, at thehomesteadjourney.net. To all of my American friends, happy Independence Day. To those of you from the UK, we kicked your butts once, we can do it again. (laughs) No, I'm just messing with you. But I am very, very happy to live in a land that is mostly free. And I long to live in a land that someday will truly honor life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Take care.
1: Brian can be reached by emailing him at brian at the homesteadjourney.net or by contacting him via our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support this podcast, we invite you to become a member of the Supporting Listeners Program. For $10 a month or $100 per year, you will receive access to a community of like-minded individuals via a private Facebook group. At least one monthly live Q&A with Brian, the opportunity to participate in live recordings of the podcast access to an ever-expanding library of helpful homesteading content and so much more head on over to support.thehomesteadjourney.net for more information and to sign up today as always the music on this episode was provided by audionautics.com. so a big shout out to them
0: and until next time everybody keep up the good work